Let's take two lab sessions on these verses in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 6. This is just a one-off effort to enjoy this text with you. It's not part of a series like further on in 2 Corinthians. I just find this text to be useful for the strengthening and encouragement of my faith and ministry in so many settings that I thought it might be encouraging for you as well. So let's read it, and then we'll spend two short sessions on it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, It is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. And I'm just going to focus on uh, verse 3, because there's so much to see here. And then next time, we'll do the rest of this. Father, We bless you, we bless you as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Now show us what we have just done in blessing you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. First observation is just to note how he begins this section. When Paul says, blessed be God, blessed be God, this word blessed means well spoken of, praised, hallowed, admired, loved, glorified. In other words, we want to exalt God in our hearts and in our in our emotions. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you might say this entire section of encouragement and teaching is folded in to worship. This is, this is worship, right? People who are just having a conversation don't say, blessed be God, <laughs> unless their conversation is breaking in to worship. So just to underline the fact that these, these are not just facts. They are blessed, glorious, beautiful facts. And they're not just uh, blessed and glorious and beautiful facts. They are glorious facts to be 
to be felt, right? Glorious facts to be felt. That's what's behind this, right? Blessed be God is not a a heart indifference, indifferent outbreak. But not just glorious facts, not just glorious facts to be felt, but glorious facts to be felt and expressed. These feelings here about the glory of these facts here are to be expressed, and hence this word. So that's my first point. Surely our lives, our conversations, our teaching, our preaching, our small group leading, our Sunday school teaching, surely this kind of teaching should be uh, encased in heartfelt worship of God. That's my first observation. Now, next observation. This is the last one. Do you think that there is a reason or maybe several reasons for why he would identify God this way? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in the next phrase, return to these two phrases, Father and God. So, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. So, my question is, Is there significance to the fact that he would start by identifying the one who is blessed as the God and Father of Jesus and then draw out more about this God of all comfort, more about this Father of mercies? And I've got three ideas to suggest to you. The first one is that when he calls Jesus the son or the subject of God and Father or calls God the God and Father of Jesus, the Lord Jesus, that phrase right there, that double phrase reminds us of John 20, 17. And here's Jesus right after the resurrection saying to Mary, and she's, she dove for his feet. And, <laughs> oh, you're alive, you're alive. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But I go to my brother, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my God, my Father, and your Father, my God, and your God. So he, he teaches here, my dying for you and my rising again now enables me to call my God and my Father your God and your Father, your Father, your, your God. So 
back here when Paul identifies God as the God and Father of Jesus, he's going to draw attention to the fact that this Father is the source of mercies to us and the source of comfort to us. That's my first observation. He's our Father and he's our God and thus the source of great fatherly mercies and fatherly comfort toward us. Here's my second suggestion. When we notice that Jesus Christ has God as his Father, we can't help but remember the awesome dynamics that created a situation where sinners like us could receive mercy. And I'm thinking of this glorious text in Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, his son, so he's the father, right? This is picturing God as the father of Jesus. He's uniquely the father of Jesus. He did not spare. He gave him up. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And this is the mercies. This is where mercies come from, right? This is where comfort comes from. Christ was given by the Father because he was his son. And in not sparing him, God overcame an enormous obstacle so that he could give his son and thus purchase for us all things with absolute certainty, including all the mercies and all the comfort that we enjoy. So back here, I'm arguing that in identifying God as the God and Father of Jesus, and then moving to the fact that this Father is the source of our mercies, and this Father or God is the source of our comfort, is owing to the fact that he's the Father of Jesus and did not spare him, but gave him up for us all. And here's my last observation. In verse 5, get this 4 here, arguing for this verse, there is something that I think confirms that what we've seen here is on the right track. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so, this as here goes with this so, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Now, what struck me is that this comparison, as and so, are not perfectly parallel. I would have expected him to say, as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so we share abundantly in Christ's comfort. That's not what he says. It's not as we share in Christ's sufferings, so we share in Christ's comfort. He says it differently here. How does he say it? He says, as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. And this through Christ here 
is drawing our attention back to the fact that when the Father gave the Son so that mercies could come to us, these mercies come to us, this comfort comes to us through the Father's giving of the Son. We wouldn't have any mercies from a holy God. We wouldn't have any comfort from a holy God if the Father had not given His Son so that in the giving of His Son, all our sins could be covered. And through, through that transaction, all of our comfort flows. Now, next time, we're going to focus on this so that. This is just amazing here, isn't it? He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort. God is creating in giving comfort comforters. Let's, let's think about that next time. <laughs> 